I had a goal. I don't know if anybody ever told me this, but I was like, I'm going to meet five new people a day when I'm down there working. I don't care who it is, but I'm going to... Even to this day, it's like, can I make five new contacts or network or new calls to a potential client or whatever? I think in this day and age, we were talking earlier, Chris, that uh, people are going to have six or seven different jobs. And so you shouldn't think of any opportunity has your, your career as much as it is, you know, this is my next opportunity. This is my first opportunity. Hey, welcome to the Painless Podcast. There's a couple of great sound bites that we got coming up from Scott Kirkpatrick and Jeannie Goldstein. And I'm your host, Chris Hartwig from Painless Networking. Thanks for joining us for Painless Podcast number 40. And here's what we do with each podcast. Connect with good human beings in and around sports and event marketing, not just sound bites, but conversations with smart, interesting, and generous people. They share with us how they've reached the success they've had and how networking and mentoring have shaped their careers. Whether you love networking or you want to avoid it at all costs, we're here to take the pain out of networking. That's right. Get to www.painless.network today to set up your free profile so you can simply and directly connect with other members. That's you connecting painlessly, finding a solution, posting, sharing a job, an internship, or a project you need a hand on, or find yourself an awesome new job, or identify and connect with a vendor. Just head to the new painless.network today to take the pain out of networking. A few quick notes and then we'll jump into the pod. First of all, coming up fast, we got a fun painless event. We haven't tried this one before with a painless partner, Assemble Shared Office. We're going to do a Valentine's Day networking, basically coffee and donuts event on February 14th at Assemble's Clark and Division Gold Coast location. That's right. You do not need a Valentine to get a great Valentine's Day going. Get off to an amazing start with a special painless morning gathering. So February 14th, 7.30 a.m., join painless networkers, Assemble members, and one of the Assemble members that's helping pay for the donuts, we'll have to give him a big thanks, is uh, Tempesta Media's Michael Marchese. Join us for coffee and donuts, and uh, you know that's so much better than heading into your office, or you have the home office, you're working alone in a coffee shop, come on in, meet some good folks, and you can still get to that office by nine-ish, or stay and work at Assemble, check the place out, get a free day at Assemble. So online, just jump on assemblesharedoffice.com to get some more information. In the podcast description, we've got details of exactly how you can sign up. In addition, that Gold Coast office where we're meeting just steps off the red line stop at Clark and Division. So easy to get there that morning. Assemble has two other spots here in Chicago, the West Loop, and opening very soon in Wicker Park. Plus, uh, hey, Minneapolis people, they're in Minneapolis. Check them out. Space is going to be pretty limited for this event. So read the pod description, get that RSVP in today. Secondly, it's almost time for the Bank of America Shamrock Shuffle 8K. Thanks to a great response from you, the Painless members, our good friends at the Shuffle want to offer another sweet discounted race entry. Sign up today, use the code PAINLESS, and get 40 bucks entry. That's 10 bucks off. Just use the code PAINLESS at shamrockshuffle.com. Thirdly, this is very cool. A new addition this week is the 2018 IEG Sponsorship Conference coming to Chicago in April, April 8th through 11th. This is the industry event for sponsorship. For one, you're not going to want to miss this. I'm going to be doing a very special live painless podcast there. But more importantly, they're offering painless members 20% off admission. Sign up and save up to 450 bucks with this special code. Go to the pod description for the link and all. Uh, the code, use that IEG 2018 PN. That's IEG 2018 PN. Save yourself 
a ton of money for a great event. All right. Today's pod, Scott and Jeannie, two stellar people, fantastic networkers and mentors. We actually recorded it just earlier today, January 31st at Intersport. Thanks to my main man, Brennan Adams. Thanks, Brennan. And uh, let's get connected with Jeannie Goldstein and Scott Kirkpatrick. Hello and welcome to the Painless Podcast today with Jeannie Goldstein and Scott Kirkpatrick from Chicago Sports and Entertainment Partners. We're going to hear a little bit about their uh, their interesting backgrounds, how they ended up and uh, doing a lot, particularly around Olympics and Paralympics, which is perfect timing since uh, the games start uh, February 9th in uh, Korea. So first, Jeannie, give us a little bit about uh, your partner at uh, Chicago Sports Entertainment Partners. What do you focus on on a day-to-day business? Gosh, day-to-day, it can be anything in a lot. Don't <laughs> tell me on that. The day That's of the week. a standard um, answer. Yeah. It changes every day. Come on. No, based on our business, we have a couple of different areas from consulting. So that could be working from brands and helping with partnerships and all the way through to programs um, that get executed you know, at retail or on the ground. And then um, we also, the other side, which is extremely busy right now, is working with all of our athletes. So we collectively represent athletes and we work, um, all three of us work together on each athlete because they're, each of them is a brand. So um, one day it could be negotiating a deal or doing PR for them. We're kind of um, everything to You're on both athletes. sides, yeah. right? Because you can do you can do the, the, the deal, for lack of a better word, from the athlete side of putting them together with a brand or an agency working with a brand. Or the brands can come to mm-hmm. you and say, Hey, we're thinking of doing this. It may not even be a specific athlete, yep. but and and is it only athletes? I should know this, but are you doing other spokespeople um, besides active and retired athletes? Um, we've done a lot. So it's Olympians and Paralympians. Mm-hmm. I would say are the, the. I think I always say we have about thirty total, and that could be legends to competing athletes. Um, but we also work with uh, BMXers. We've done some things with outside with other talent. Um, but really, the Olympic and Paralympic um, environment is so complex that a lot of our focus has been um, to do that. But okay. on the other side, with brands, I've worked with all the NFL and local teams to the NHL to the NBA to you know across all leagues. So I'd say you know we've really started to focus just by you know the opportunities that we've had on the Olympic and Paralympic space and it changes every day it's pretty complex and there's new yeah. rules that pop up and sometimes you drive those new rules to be created um, which is uh, good and bad so yeah and that's how did, been our Scott focus. how do you got you know, do you uh, kind of operate almost independently uh, of each other or complementary of each other how does how does it work um, you know I guess it, it it's it's actually works both ways. I mean, we operate independently if we have specific athletes that we're looking after. So I have a few athletes that I specifically look after. So does Jeannie and so does pa- uh, Patrick, our other business partner. Um, and so there's a lot of times that we work independently on that. Um, but more often than not, we also work very collaboratively on projects. So if I'm working on a a, a consulting project. I will often bring Jeannie in, and we'll and we'll work on it together to come up with the best solution for our client. So, and it's a little bit of collaboration and a little bit of independence. If there's a a new sponsorship opportunity for one of the athletes, oftentimes we're talking about it back and forth to understand what the opportunities are. We'll look at the contracts together. We'll look at some of the key deal points to see where there are opportunities or where there are pitfalls because we all kind of look at things from a different perspective. So. That's one and of the so ways. there's not a in your case there's not a 
specific place that your business is, is coming from and looking for new business or opportunities because it can come from you know from from athletes from agents from brands from agencies so it's kind of tricky i guess is that you've got to be kind of keeping your eye open across all of those. Yeah, yeah. A lot, I, I would say, though, a lot of our uh, business generates initially kind of from the athlete-centric pro- program. So, mm-hmm. so, for instance, I do a lot of patient education programs for this one partner in healthcare. It came at first when they came looking for one of our athletes to use, and it transformed into a consulting project where then they come to us and say, we're doing a patient education program around a specific disease state. Who makes the most sense to plug into this? And so it may be entertainers. We've had American Idol winners. It could be sports figures. It could be newscasters and journalists. So it really um, uh, depends on, in that program, what makes the most sense from a patient education program. But it came in through the athlete went door, if you will. Right. Okay. And how do you find the athletes, for example, that you work with is, you know, that can be a tricky business in terms of, Reputation and you know, I mean, I, I've had my own horror stories in the business of guys that were theoretically clean as a whistle and uh, weren't suddenly. And so, you know, how do you, how can you vet those besides, you know, a gut feeling and yeah. using your brain helps? But it's we're in a great position now that a lot of athletes come to us, or some of our existing athletes say, "Hey, I've got a friend who's on this track." You know, they're kind of looking inside at different sports can tell us from the athletic side of it who's going to be um, who's going to strike during the games and everything we also you know on the swimming side we represent Rowdy Gaines who's great at kind of identifying talent for us too so it's interesting because we get approached a lot but then we're also out there proactively saying hey I like this person's story so It is a really cool part of our job where we'll take an athlete or we get a phone call or we want to go after somebody and we say, okay, what is their brand going to look like? So we look at it because they're a brand and they're a business. So um, ultimately, what can we do with them? Where are they going to fit? How are they going to be different? Because it's a crowded field too. So we try to differentiate them, you know, amongst themselves too. And then we each interview them. So it depends where they came in, but we usually get on the phone with them and talk to them. Just, um, I think some of them, it's been intimidating because all three of us on the phone just asking them questions, <laughs> getting to know them. But, and some we realize need a little bit more nurturing and help. But, um, you know, we're going pretty deep when we do that and we're looking kind of behind the scenes. Or if they left somebody and came to us, why? What happened? Um, I'd say, majority of them we've got you know we want to make sure they're good to work with we want to make sure their story start with a story that we can sell them and we can market them from a public relations standpoint to a sponsorship standpoint and then are they easy to work with are they and sometimes we we do a good job picking and other times it it just isn't a good fit and so you know most uh, that hasn't happened to us very often but sometimes it just doesn't it doesn't work. The times that it works well is that we're really a partner with that athlete and they know we're fully engaged or they're coming to us with ideas. And they, um, so it's a really cool part of it. Um, we just signed um, a speed skater who made the team. This is not, you know, we like to have the long-term relationships, especially going into the games, but we were up at speed skating trials and um, a young woman by the name of Erin Jackson qualified and it was it was not really supposed to happen so it was a pleasant surprise um she's the first african-american 
woman to make the U.S. Um, national speed skating or U.S. Olympic team in speed skating. And we talked to her immediately and signed her and already got her a deal within, it's been less than a month. Oh, wow. Now, so, with that, how did you get to her versus, you know, somebody else that's a competitor out there? I mean, a lot of it's got to be relationships, right? Mm-hmm. But in that case, there had to be, you weren't the only one. I mean, you're smart, but you weren't the only one seeing, oh, this is sure. a really good, this could be a really good marketing opportunity. Let's get her on our, our roster. How does something like that un, unfold? Well, you know, it does come in kind of in our our reputation in the marketplace and having key contacts in the sport. Um, In the case of speed skating, uh, one of our partners, Patrick Quinn, used to be a a speed skater. So he knows a lot of the um, coaches and in the kind of the infrastructure in that. So um, when the speed skaters turn to their coaches and people they trust and say, um, you know, Chicago sports has talked to me. Uh, what what should I do? And they say, you know, answer that call, right? That's and so that's kind of the first kind of a first hurdle um, is starting to, is actually making that initial contact. And then really, it's a lot of chemistry of mm-hmm. what makes sense and and are we the are we the right team for them? Um, and then do they feel comfortable with us? I mean, we work really hard um, for the corp- corporate sponsors on behalf of our athletes to try to be the easiest people to work with. And so we also try to do that for our athletes. Is you know, ultimately, we're all in the service business, so we we always have multiple clients. We have our athletes as clients, but we also have the brands that are clients, and we're coming up with that balance. And so. Um, when we talk to athletes for the first time, it is kind of conveying that idea of how we approach the business and do they feel comfortable? Um, we don't always win, um, but you know we we feel like we have a great story and a great track record, and so we feel like we're you know we're deserving of at least being in that conversation. Yeah. How how do you? I mean, this and this applies to then going back in the the uh, the painless wayback machine a little bit of. of your background, how you got into this in the first place, but somebody saying, "Oh man, you know, a lot of people that that, that listen to the podcast of, you know, they're gonna, they're looking at this like, well, how do I get to go do that? That sounds like a really cool job." Now I know you both could tell a lot of stories of ways that it's, that it's not a cool job <laughs> between the hours and some of the crap that you have to do with, but mm-hmm. that's besides the point right now. Is you know, is it that somebody says, "I want to go do that"? You can't just snap your fingers and have relation like the relationships and chemistry is things that is going to take a long time to build that up and create that and figure some of it out. Did did both of you start in sports directly? I mean, I know, Jeannie, you played tennis in college, yeah. and was that like you wanted to go work in sports? Um, no, it wasn't. Don't give me too much credit. It was Division Three. Hey, I, um. I, I, you know what? We've had this argument already. It's college <laughs> athletics. You played yeah. the sport. I know yeah. you're downplaying it, but you did it. It was, uh, it was great. And no, I just had, I was a French major. I thought I was going to be a friend. My mom's French. I majored in French. It was I had a minor in Spanish. I thought I was going to teach lang- foreign mm-hmm. languages. And then um, we had an internship program. And there were three people that graduated. I went to Denison University. And three people had graduated from Denison were working at ProServe. And so the month of January, we had to complete an internship. And I signed up. I was like, oh, there's, they run tennis events. This is, pre- this is pretty cool. And so I went down. It was either working for a congressman, which I was really not interested in, and then the last minute this tennis opportunity came up in Atlanta, and I went there for a month, and then at the end of school, they said, do you want to come basically work for nothing (laughs) and and do whatever we ask you? And I was like, great. And then I, 
Um, I did it. And then I, I had a goal. I don't know if anybody ever told me this, but I was like, I'm going to meet five new people a day when I'm down there working. I don't care who it is, but I'm going to. You, you, you were savvy me. enough that you thought that kind of going in, like, this well, is one like, of the things I'm going to make something. out of. This is yeah. one time I've got to make something yeah. out of this. <laughs> I make better. But that was the practical way you had it in your head, it, like, let's try to meet five new people a yeah, day. Yeah. And huh. even to this day, it's like, can I make five new contacts or network or new calls to a potential client or whatever? So um, just through that, all of a sudden, as I said, I joined the circus because I (laughs) deferred student loans and said, okay, I'm going to go and do this and um, told my parents. And they're like, okay, give it a try for a year and see what happens. And then I was on the pro-serve circuit of running pro tennis events and um, just building the network. I had no network. And, you know, I didn't have a family that had connections in the business at all college professor my father's a college retired college professor so there were no contacts so it was like just got to figure this out um and then it ended it just progressed from that so from pro serve i went to the champions tour jimmy connor started a senior tennis tour and there were a lot of pro serve people that went over there and started to work on that and then ended up with the title sponsor um uh frankel here in Chicago mm-hmm. was managing the Naveen business and they brought me over to the agency and that's how I ended up at the agency. Okay. And so, and then you were at agencies, then fairly I, large agency, Frankel and Frankel Ogilvy. Frankel and then went to Ogilvy. Okay. And then um, I'll let Scott tell his story, but then that's <laughs> at Ogilvy, it's kind of how we, it's a cool way we kind of all came together yeah. and all met. Um, I had been doing business with, I think we kind of knew of each other in the industry, but never worked together. But I had done business with our other business partner because he was representing athletes. So I had hired his athletes for programs that I was working on. So he was, Patrick was the first connection. Patrick was more so than Scott. But then, um, yeah, then Scott and I met each other and I connected the two of them. So, so. all right, so so we'll fast forward kind of through your Scott. You, well, you grew up downstate, central Illinois, Normal. normal. Yep. I loved normal. For people not from Illinois, that you're from normal. Went to normal community high school. Normal, so normal community high. Uh, but Scott, you were from the north suburbs. No, I originally um, was from Chicago. I grew oh, up, the city. I grew up right, right in the city. Yeah. Oh, okay. And then um, Middlebury College. And uh, um, how did you get into, you know, the first thing I see on your LinkedIn profile is Kemper Sports. Was that your first job out of school? And how did yeah. that happen? Yeah, so it was. I was just thinking about that. It was kind of funny is that I, um, a group of friends and I in college started a company, not a little, not really a company because we weren't <laughs> legitimate, but a business <laughs> where um, we were, we would put on events um, and one of them, we bought a car from the college and we raffled it off at this, at an event that we had uh, as a new car. And, um, <laughs> and so I was talking through my first job interview at Kemper Sports uh, to a guy by the name of Matt Gunderson. And so he's like, so what, you know, why do you like, and I said, well, we, I love to put on events. We have a lot of fun doing it. And so I told him about this, uh, the biggest one we did where we raffled off a new car. And he said, I'm pretty sure that's a felony. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask him the said, statute and of I, limitations. And I, and I said, well, I, you know, I don't know if there was, I think the statute of limitations is up on that. And uh, I don't know if there was enough money to, to warrant it being a, a court action. But in any case, it was pretty funny to go to the job interview and being told that your your passion was committing a felony in college. Right. <laughs> um, did you, how did you, sorry to interrupt, but like to get in the door with Kemper Sports, because they were already doing Maui Invitational at that point, right? No, this oh, is they before. Hadn't. No, I started that there. 
You, I, you I were was, involved. At I the, was the first. So the, the first of it. Okay. Yeah, so the first. That. The first time. Uh, fast forward. I'd been there for a few years. The first time we did the Maui Invitational, um, I. I was gone. I went over there and met the people from Hawaii and Maui, and I started working with a guy Wayne Duke, who's a former commissioner sure. of the Big Ten. And um, we, I was sitting next to him, next to Bill Raftery and John Saunders, were doing the play by the games for ESPN. We were sitting at center court, and I turned to Wayne, and it was Damon Bailey's first game as an Indiana Hoosier. And I turned to Wayne and I said, "Wayne, you know, I got to tell you something." And he goes, "What?" And the game was about it's going to start in about a minute. And I said, "Wayne, I've never seen a college basketball game." And he said, what? I said, I've never been to a college basketball game. This is my first one. And he said, what are you talking about? I said, no, I watched them on TV. And like I'd watch them on TV to see what was going on. But I've never been to one. And he turned and looked at me and he goes, don't you tell anybody. <laughs> and so the first, ga- the first co- bill. Yeah, the, fir- yeah the, first, the first college game that I ever saw, I was actually running the tournament. So uh, a little known fun fact that Wayne Duke and I kept to. Uh, now, how was this to go? Not, don't want to derail too much, yeah. but how did you get involved with that? Was was the Maui Classic or whatever in existence already? Or did you guys create that with with Shamanadi? No. So it's. um. It's a it's kind of it's a long story, but the short part of the story is that um, it was created with Shamanad started it when they when they beat uh, Ralph Sampson's Virginia yep. team on his way back from Japan, so they had no sleep, and so then they started the tournament, and then there was an NCAA rule that exempted the tournament games from counting against the total number of games allowed, so it's getting a little wonky. And then there was a company called Sports Pro Hawaii, which was run by Mark Rolfing, who's the NBC mm-hmm. announcer, right. and uh, Ray and Cheryl Stosick. And they ran it, and they were, you know, we, we became friends, and they were actually uh, suppliers of mine on the tournament. And they, um, and then the, they were running it for Shamanad University. Shamanad University made a switch, as happens in this business, and brought us on to run the tournament. And so um, in August, we got the contract to run the tournament for that November. And I had just finished, oh, um, and so I was. They, somebody walked in my office and said, "Do you want to run this tournament?" And I said, "Sure." I was running a golf tournament in, Hawaii, in Maui later in the year, and um, I said, "When does you know when do I need to go?" And they're like, "You need to be over there by you know in two days." Um, <laughs> and so I ended up doing that for about nine years. But that was you know literally I had like four months to figure it out. Wow. And how did you, so but the other thing was, how did you find that interview in the first place at, that Kemper was kind of where I was going with that, and to people listening, well, like, you know, how did you make that break? Was it, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, a fluky it, thing of a, a neighbor or somebody no, you through college? Well, you know, I, between um, my high school and college, I, t- I was off for a semester and I worked at Helene Curtis on the factory on the west side. So the Helene Curtis is old Chicago company. And there was a factory on um, North Avenue in Costner, about 45 blocks west. And so I worked the 6 to 4.30 shift, 6 a.m. to 4.30 shift all fall. And so I got to know, um, through family friends, got to know uh, the Gidwitz family that owned Helene Curtis they also sponsored the Women's Kemper Open, which Kemper oh, let Kemper uh-huh. Sports ran, and so I used those kind of networkings. But you know, um, a lot of it was you know I never missed a shift at Helen Curtis. And I tell you what, that was a tough. That well, was but a, but that, the, there is some of that, right? Like yeah. it, some of the roll up your sleeve stuff, and that proved your value. And then you were smart enough to realize making the connection right. gets you the introduction. Right. And uh, you know, seeing that through, like we we talked about 
hiring interns on, sometimes that still doesn't work out right, right? But the story we were talking about before we were recording, but but uh, that's a great way that you right. get in the door of do whatever it takes. Well, I was going to say every job I've gotten has been through somebody I knew. It was never just a, you know, I'm going to apply to something. It, I mean, by that, even starting with the first one, and then it just, you know, made the contact. I got to the next job, the next job, and um, even outside of sports, so, you know, it was somebody that recommended me for the agency that wasn't in the sports group but that knew there was a need. So, um, yeah, it's kind of those continuing right. kind of, well, part not, of the So fabric. you kind of knew each other now going to the formation of Chicago sure. Sports Event or Sports Entertainment Partners. How, how did that come about, friends, connections, yeah. helping both of you kind of move on to something else logically? You both worked at a couple of larger agencies, and then, right. but now you're off doing your own thing. How, how did that, was that forced? Was that by design? Um, a little bit by design. I mean, I never, I think I spoke at a class at Northwestern a couple of years ago, and they said, oh, you're an entrepreneur. And I was like, oh, really? <laughs> like that never, <laughs> but I never looked to be an entrepreneur, right. like, you know, set it in my head, this is what I want to do. So I was at Ogilvy, and things were changing over there. And, you know, it, it's hard to sit in a big agency and have a very specific discipline because you're always fighting for hours. And it uh, it become when it's good and the agency's doing well, you're a wonderful asset to have internally and pay for and everything. And it just, it goes in waves. And I kind of saw one of those waves coming on and was like, wait a minute, um, I, th- I have enough clients and enough friends in the business that I think I can go and do this. Um, so it was a little bit of, I, I got to do something because it might happen, <laughs> not on my own terms. Right. Um, and so I left Ogilvy and kind of started, um, it just started an LLC. And I kept, uh, several of my clients were brands that I had worked on at Ogilvy or United Airlines had been with me for 17 years in the end. And um, so they just came with me. And um, so I started that. But then I had met Patrick um, across the table from negotiating and getting some of his athletes involved in a Kellogg's deal. And I thought he was one of the few agents that was actually a marketer. Um, He was always looking for opportunities and how to grow the opportunity, which was fantastic. So he and I became fast friends. And it was through a deal, I think it was for Torino. So 2006 was our first deal, probably 2005. And um, I just liked the way he think. We became friends. And he called me one day and said, should I go to a big agency? And I said, no. <laughs> I said, wait a minute. Let's talk about this. So he and I had a lot of conversations about what that and would look at like. At that point, were you on your own already? No, I was still. That was at Frankel. And then I went oh. to Ogilvy. We still remained friends. But while I was at Ogilvy, that was within the WPP network, Scott was at Hill & Knowlton. And we started working together on projects. I'm not even sure. We were pitching business together. Scott had, um, we complimented our, mm-hmm. our backgrounds, complimented each other. I was coming from the promotional retail side. He was coming from the public relations side. Um, and so we worked together on pitches and everything. And um, then just kind of become, became friends. And I said, you should know Patrick. He's just a good guy and smart and a mark another marketer and I introduced them and um, you want to tell the rest of the part of the story? Sure. So <laughs> it was um, it was back in two thousand and eight. And so for those of your younger listeners, 
2008 was probably one of the darkest years in terms of the business world. Um, you know, as a, as a friend described it, it was like the grease in the machine was filled with sand. And so everything was coming to a grinding halt. And so um, businesses were uh, panicked, concerned, you know, retrenching, cutting spending left and right. So um, in a, in a, in a terrible twist of fate, I think both my wife and I, we got uh, laid off on the exact same date within about an hour of each oh other. Oh, my God. And so, and, uh, and it was, what was, was kind of funny is that um, I went to go play hockey that night. I was a little younger then. And um, <laughs> one of my teammates was also at the company that my wife worked at, and they, the guy had decided to close the whole company. And so he sat next to me after a couple shifts and knew the whole story. And he goes, kind of a shit sandwich kind of day, huh? <laughs> and I said, yeah, it is. But, you know, at least we're playing hockey and having some fun. So um, anyhow, so Jeannie put me in touch with Patrick. Um, and we talked and we said, okay, well, let's, let's, let's work on a project together to see what the chemistry is, you know, test the right. waters. And so I said, oh, that, you know, that makes sense. And so he said, well, I'm working on this pitch. Uh, this was prior to Vancouver with uh, Comcast in Washington State. And I said, okay, let's, let's talk about it. So we ended up talking through uh, the opportunity and the pitch and the potential client, um, refined it, and then we went out and, um, and we actually, actually we pitched it on the phone um, and we got the business before we met the client. So it was that. It's really? Your, yeah, so you can see what kind of, how panicked people were about travel expenses. <laughs> so we got, we got hired, and so the first time we actually met the client was when our first kind of day one working meeting was with them in, in uh, Seattle. Um, and so we came together and ran uh, a pretty big program called Comcast Local Heroes in Washington State around the Vancouver Games. Um, and it was, a, it, was a great, it was a great program for us and, and great clients. Um, and so that kind of jump-started the relationship, um, and that's, you know, again, through introductions and kind of the, the, the you know, the opportunity um, came from just networking and meeting people. And, you know, when we met for lunch, we didn't really have any expectations. We just knew, Patrick and I both knew that we should meet for lunch and talk and see if there was an opportunity. And I think it was kind of both of us being open to thinking about and not putting any parameters about what that opportunity might be was kind of the birth of the business. Well, and it's good. Like we, we were talking about of earlier, you say, I want to meet five new people. I mean, sometimes it's good to have a pretty specific goal or something that's measurable like that. And then because you've got to have some kind of goals, but it doesn't necessarily have to be that specific, I think is important for, I mean, I, cause I get caught up in that too. Like your point of, I don't know where this, this is going to go except that this guy is a good guy to add to my contact. We can explore opportunities, and if it's something that we have to work together, great. Maybe it doesn't, but I can refer something to him, and the next time he refers something to me. Uh, were you on your own already yes. at that point? So I was trying so to think because I felt like it was almost no time from the time that I left Ogilvy was March, and I had my own projects going, and then these guys right away get the first project that they're working on, and I think we were always in touch, like, Scott might have called me and said, thanks for introducing me to Patrick. We met. We actually have a project. I was like, well, wait a minute. Yeah, right. I'm doing this on my own. <laughs> um, let's all. And we had been, it was an interesting time, too, because in 2009, we had all played different roles kind of in the Chicago bid. 
So we knew oh, right, each other yeah. through that, too, because each of our agencies had been involved. So I don't know if it was through that that we stayed in touch, but then we realized, well, why don't we come together and see if Chicago gets the bid that we could actually pitch, start pitching some business together now. So then it was pretty quick where I said, okay, I'm in, and you know, let's figure this out. And we... We started down that path working together right away, but then we started getting other projects in. Hmm. And Patrick had already been representing athletes for 10 years before. He was competing and representing people at the same time, which is kind of an yeah, interesting Yeah, well, reading his bio, that, it, really it was. They were overlapping like it, that. Yeah. He was that savvy of like, hey, let me help you out well, on this. Well, he started and, in speed skating. And so when Scott, Patrick, and I are in a meeting and we go through our bios, we make him go last because we, loo- <laughs> we lose our audience immediately when they're like, oh, I was on the U.S. national team. So he went from speed skating, started representing, you know, there were some athletes like Chad Hedrick and Derek Parr and Joey Cheek who are medalists that, um, and legends in the sport that didn't have any help. Or, and so he was doing it while he was also on track. But then I don't know what at what point he switched to luge. Yeah, so like he, he well, he wasn't he originally he played like college ho- hockey or something, hockey and then and speed skating. This, see, and this then lo- is it. This right, is that's why, why he goes go last, last, right? <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> you we can't lose hold our up, audience. right? You can't hold up on that. Yeah, so he um, was competing in luge even when I was working with him on in 2006. He was still ranked number. He said, "Oh, I can't call you this weekend because I'm going to be in Europe competing." And I was like, "What? Wait a minute!" And um, he's like, "I'm a double loser." So we were like, okay, that's fascinating. So anyway, back to us, we started working together right away. He was retired from sport by that time, but he had built up a nice group of athletes. And then um, we just started building because I had hired athletes for some of the brands that I worked on and was like, well, wait and a minute. How did it, yeah, then because of his connections and some of the work you're doing, obviously, I guess it, it was a, a lot within Olympics and Paralympians, but... That wasn't necessarily, I mean, is it just worked out that way that you focused almost exclusively on them? Or has it been, um, you know, was it again a choice of path or was it more, this is the way things have worked? You're always open to other opportunities, but you've got this reputation in the industry now. So that's where most of the business comes from. And is that a bad thing, I guess, would be the follow-up question to that. Yeah, no. I mean, I was still working with United and cutting all of their local deals in their different um, hub markets. So still doing things with all the local teams and, you know, here in Chicago. Right, in other sports, every right. team in other sports. Yeah. So it was, you know. That's right. Everybody across the board. So, you know, the formula is pretty similar when you're going to go in and work with them. So we... You know, we've done some other brand projects where we're looking outside of the Olympics. So we're not exclusively in there, but representing so many athletes and then working with so many of the brands, and, and a lot has come through those two things, just even the cross-section of athlete and brand. Mm-hmm. So um, it has been, there's enough work in that space to go around, so right. to speak. So um, that's just been... That's been where you know do we you, know the most. Our expertise yeah. has ended up being and really do you, strong. Do you end up? Do you have to or or want to uh, end up at a lot of these the events and trials to you know further relationships with people, meet new people, or do you end up because you're juggling so many things, you're not at whatever skating championships because you've also got somebody that's skiing over here and whatever. So you you end up not 
and going to a lot of these events, or is it somewhere in the middle? We try to divide and conquer. So, like, you know, Milwaukee, the speed skating trials were right up the road, so all three of us went up, and, you know, May, the, the four days that it was going on, I think we were back and forth a couple of times, so that was a great opportunity. You know, that is the best way. We have presence at the games so that we're interacting with all... Usually we're ex- helping to execute athlete programs, so we're working... Um, but we're also interacting with, you know, we know all the brand contacts at within the um, the Olympic families because I think we have at least one athlete in almost every program or every sponsored program. So um, if not one, we have multiple. So even, you know, we're trying to be at as many things, and a lot of them are, you know, working with the brands to try to be there and help them and come up with ideas and so we're at all their shoots and things like that. Yeah, so, right. I wasn't um, even thinking of that. And then in those those things, shoots or they're doing some kind of a you know media sessions or something like that. How how hands on do you have? To, is that part of your role too? And media training and coaching with brand messaging. I mean, I, I'm assuming a lot of them. Hopefully, you've you're working with because they're good at it and may not even need much of it, but there's also got to be some handholding and redirecting, right? Yeah. I mean, like, so for the media training, you're right. Most of the big brands have their own media agencies or media people will do that. Um, I think one of the things that we are, are there for on the, kind of what we call our production days is that um, to help the athletes understand where they, what they can and can't do. Um, they may have other partnerships with a clothing company, food and beverage, et cetera, that we need to make sure that they don't infringe upon. They would never want to, but they also do it not knowing. And so we're there to make sure that whatever brand they're working with that day um, isn't putting a, a beverage in their hand that another comp- company that, that's a partner of theirs is going to have a conflict with. So in many cases, we're just there looking out at the athletes so they can relax and be themselves and focus on what that brand needs them to be and not worrying about everything else. And many times they'll turn to Jeannie and I or Patrick and say, can I do this? Is this okay? Yeah. And so we have to have enough of an understanding about their, this existing contract and their other agreements that we can say, yes, you can, or no, you can't, mm-hmm. or we'd prefer if you didn't. And so, um, you know, and so the, and then, and frankly, the other brands that we're working with, they like that because it saves them time and money. Oh, yeah, because they're not sure. having For to them, re- that's a, yeah. I was just thinking, that's yeah. a huge yeah. advantage right. on that side. So, again, we're, you know, it, it kind of think it comes back to, you know, Jeannie and I are, are relatively new to the athlete representation space, but we've always been in the service industry. We've always been servicing clients. Yeah. And so, you know, making that transition when you come from a service orientation and making sure your client's happy, it's really, in some respects, no different than if it was a brand or a person or a business, right? You're trying to make sure that everybody's aligned in what you're trying to accomplish. Yeah, right. Now, will you both be in um, South Korea for... In Chicago for the games? Yeah. <laughs> Right, like where Patrick is going to the games to represent us. There, you know, we there's a lot of work back here, actually. Right. So with two of us here to help manage, and then we go into the Paralympics. So there's still there's still shoots going on right now. Yeah. Um, at this late date, so um, 
It's, yeah, it's... Well, to you, it's late, but to some brands, they're like, oh, this is way earlier than we usually... Well, they know, but they won't won't admit it. Right. The other thing I was going to say, just to add to Scott, is that even in the networking part of what we do for ourselves, we also really try to train our athletes to do that. So when we're at shoots, it's, we make sure that they know everybody's name and, you know, a lot are like, who was that guy who did this? Did he work for... So... They're not just robots. They're yeah, actually... Yeah, and then because we want them to develop a relationship exactly, with that right. person, because what tends to happen is those people move around. I mean, I can think of several examples that one hired an athlete on one brand and they moved and they hired the athlete because they had a relationship. I mean, some of our athletes text directly and email with their clients and we're like, that's fine. You well, know? it's kind of like, I mean, I'm sure with your business and starting your own business, some people, there may have been conflicts and they went somewhere else or some of them were just rolling over maybe even the same role or different roles. That's how the business right. works in a lot of ways. The, the relationship part is so key. So what, the, we encourage our athletes to build those relationships and, mm-hmm. and to be in touch with them and let the, you know, several of them are really good about it that they'll write updates and they'll send a newsletter, like here's how my season's going mm-hmm. and here's, I'm not just cashing your check. But well, and they're operating, frankly, right, at a level they're not a, this is not a, um, NFL or NBA player that they have the whole gaggle of of, uh, of their team around them that does all that right. stuff or insulates them. They're operating at a much leaner budget, basically, that they have to do a lot of it themselves or you're helping do yeah. it and that's them uh, and their agent if they have a separate one or whatever and that's all they've got. So in the way, it, I think it makes them much more savvy and appreciative of the work, I'm assuming, or am I putting yeah, too abso- much of a halo on no, these guys? I, I mean, absolutely. When one of our athletes, it, whether we tell them to or not, sends a thank you note to a client, you know, thanks for picking me. I know you had a lot of options and um, or thanks for the great shoot or whatever. It That simple thing, yeah. I think Patrick actually did it. Um, one of his athletes, when we were trying to decide years ago for Kellogg's who it was going to be she sent a handwritten note to me and I was like okay she really this wants the, this yeah. and like she's going to be attentive this is going to you know this, she's in it with us yeah. kind of thing rather than just check I need you know this is the athlete I need and yeah. they're going to cash a check right exactly that's all part of understand. you know you know how to get a feel for these guys the some some chemistry some vetting some sitting down and getting to know them and there are some of those things that are triggers how about with you know you've you've got some other folks that work with you i can't say right now this that you're looking to hire somebody because you've just brought on somebody new but somebody that's looking to try to get in uh, um particularly a junior level person trying to get in for a company like yours any advice of you know what's the best way to do that the the little ways of differentiating with a handwritten note or something like that but what's what do you when you go talk to classes or you do networking what do either of you guys give us advice to help stand out well I, I think you know the both Jeannie and I started as interns so I think you know one thing is uh, look look on a, as an internship has really um, an, an opportunity to work yourself into into a position either at that organization or another organization. Uh, secondly, I would say that you know if you do have an opportunity for an internship, work very hard at having um, like a deliverable goal or objective that you've accomplished. So you can a- answer that question during an interview. You know what did you bring to the inter- internship? What did you accomplish? What did what stood out? Uh, and what made you uh, a valuable 
part of that opportunity. And so I think those kind of that measurable or uh, objective um, is, is crucial uh, to the opportunity. Um, and the third thing is like being willing able to see the opportunity for what it is, meaning uh, I think in this day and age, we were talking earlier, Chris, that uh, people are going to have six or seven different jobs. And so you shouldn't think of any opportunity has your, your career as much as it is, you know, this is my next opportunity. This is my first opportunity. So think about it in that respects and what are you going to learn from it and be open to that. And so understanding that in that context will, I think, be helpful. Yeah, I think um, obviously building the resume and taking, we look at those people that are kind of out there and hungry. And, you know, I I had someone say to me, oh, all I did at this internship was file contracts. And I said, but did you read every contract before you were following, you know, filing it? Because that's a learning experience. Right. So I would take my recommendation as, like, look around, meet as many people when you're on that internship. Just meet everybody in the organization. Let them know that you're, you know, you want to learn, that you're interested. And even if you're filing papers, now it's probably all digital. Yeah, but right. Read all of. <laughs> We're them. showing our age. I had a lot of papers, um, but read everything and learn and ask questions. You know, why was this contract done this way, or what's, you know, how does this come about? How does this happen? Because then, you know we're a little bit more eager to help recommend that person to somebody else. So that's, you know, developing those relationships. So I'd say, you know, those people that kind of gave us, we were just doing interviews for an entry-level position, but the people that give us an idea of that, there are those people who are just being sponges where they are and learning and will do anything to, you know, because they're eager and proactive. Right. I was just at a Wise Chicago mentoring event this last week, and I, I, I hate to do it. Uh, given who said it, to give her credit, but uh, Amy Potter from uh, BMO, um, no, love you, Amy, is, but her line was, be curious. It was mm-hmm. a very nice way to sum this up. Ask some yeah. questions and find out what you can learn, because like you said, oh, I'm just filing contracts. Well, there's a lot of ways, the negative kind of term would be spinning it, but I mean, there are ways that, things that you did with that, you learned this key language, you learned how to set this stuff up so it actually made sense, or how to make sure you didn't miss something. Like, that's actually... I would love to have somebody like that working with me right. that's got that eye and that experience to help me because otherwise I'll miss it, right? And so it could end up being actually a huge skill to uh, to utilize. Well, the other thing is um, I always said it at some of the agencies, I'd rather have somebody working for me that I got to ha- pull back a little bit and mm-hmm. say, okay, like bring it, let's tone that back or let's, you know, let's talk about this before rather than pushing somebody. Yeah, right. So um, when you've got point. somebody who's really eager to do stuff and to learn, that's that's wonderful. It's the, the rather use reins than a prod. There you oh, jeez. <laughs> that's a good way to put dramatic. it. It's a little bit more dramatic. And what was Mark McCormick, founder of IMG? You had a quote about... Oh, yeah. So back in the day, you know, we used to get newsletters and they were real newsletters and they'd come in the mail once a month. And so Mark McCormick, who founded IMG... And that, and that legendary handshake with Anna Palmer. So he used to put out a newsletter, and, and one of the ones that I, th- I think it was Mark McCormick, I'm pretty sure it was him, uh, that stuck with me was um, this idea of uh, dig your well before you're thirsty. So you're always kind of networking and getting to know people and not necessarily for that immediate next job or that immediate 
uh, need, but rather uh, thinking longer term about it and so that you're building that network, you're building those connections because you just never know. I mean, we were walking the halls this morning and I ran into a student that I had taught three years ago and you know she came up and reintroduced herself to me and I didn't even know she was working where we were at and it was just that kind of connection, yeah, you right? You never know. You, you never know. That's a good good spot to end. Before we go, I want to throw it out there to think about for a sec if there's anything I've missed, but I want to point out that maybe the, is the easiest way that people can find you guys would be to go to the website, chicagosep.com is probably the easiest way. I mean, you're certainly both active on, um, on LinkedIn and things like that, but chicagosep.com. Anything else that you thought about might be, you know, a, a good good yeah, point no, to bring up I, today. We also have a Facebook page, so Chicago, Chicago SCP, which SCP. if you want to see the project, we try to put everything. That yeah, that's a good place to see what's uh, okay, and I'll link that in the podcast description yes. so people can go right so to it's that. It's kind of cool to see the programs that we have going on, and a lot is launching right now around the games. Sure. But um, I would just encourage people. You know, I'm more likely to help somebody that is kind of help. You know, not just a phone call. Can you help me? But here's what I'm thinking, or do you have any recommendations? And um, and I encourage people, I said, call somebody and get one or two leads from every phone call that you get. Yep. So starting out, if it's like, oh, this may not be right, you may not be the right person, but do you know somebody? Asking that, do you know somebody else that I should talk to? Right. Or don't Come to me, and, and the big thing for me is don't come to me with a problem, come to me with a solution. Yeah. It may not even be the right one, but that's that idea of the reins versus the prod. Sure. That kind of a mentality is certainly makes a lot of sense within networking, connecting. Well... Thank you both, Scott and uh, Jeannie. Thank you so much. We've got uh, we've run out of time, so thank you very much. Good luck with uh, all your athletes in the Olympics and Paralympics, and uh, we will, I'm sure, see lots of great work from you guys over the next couple of months. Thanks. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, guys. Big thanks, Jeannie and Scott. Appreciate it. All your time, some great answers, some great stuff for folks to learn and and check out, check out, speaking of checking out, check out the pod description for links to connect with them and, of course, Chicago Sports and Entertainment Partners. And don't forget to look also, uh, look further down that pod description, get the Assemble Shared Office Tempesta Media Valentine's Day event information. We'll see you on morning of February 14th. Don't forget the sweet savings on Bank of America Shamrock Shuffle entry. And brand new for this week's podcast, a huge discount on IEG Sponsorship Conference. Check all that in the pod description. But until uh, then, or so you can go do that, I'm going to get out of your ears. And until next time, it's Chris Hartwig saying, stay connected, friends. Stay connected.